You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, as the fine lady says, your team every day. Guys, whether it's uh, Surrey, whether it's Alexa, tell them. Press. I'm sorry, tell them. Play podcast, Locked On Browns. Those, uh, you know... They will take care of you in that respect, guys. Uh, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound here. Um, I'm excited for this one here. Uh, Jordan Reed uh, does a fantastic job over at Cover One. Um, he's been on the show before. Um, as the show's grown here, Jordan, in the last about calendar year, has had an absolute fantastic year. He's literally you know, gone from another guy who covers the draft to one of the guys who covers the draft. Got himself down in Mobile here for his first senior bowl. Jordan, how was the week? How much fun was it? And look, I mean, when you got, you're getting guys like Matt Miller and and Ben Albright pushing the account, how did you must have had a nice week down there, bud? Yeah, man. It's the best thing about it is that you finally get to put some faces to some names because you interact with so many people on Twitter and some people they actually have their actual picture up there and sometimes they just have something that means some other significance that they love, whether that's a favorite player or an actor or it could be anything, but it's just good to finally meet a lot of people that you interact with on Twitter because on Twitter we're like a huge family, but 95% of the people that you interact with on Twitter, you really don't ever get to meet in person. And that's something that I really enjoyed being down in Mobile. Um, just as far as the actual event, I had a fantastic time. This was actually my first time ever going. So I kind of kept an open mind when I went down there. I really didn't know what to expect. Uh, I went by myself. So <laughs> And you can imagine how that was going in. So I didn't really know anybody down there besides the people that I did interact with on Twitter, which, like I alluded to earlier, I did really look forward to doing. So uh, the first day you just get down there, you're just interacting with so many people. You The first day is a way in and you actually get to interview the players. And it all takes place in a huge ballroom. So you see everybody like you see John Dorsey walking in. You see Freddie Kitchens walking in. Alonzo Highsmith was another guy that was there as well. You see John Lynch and John Gruden walking around. So there's just so many familiar faces that you see walking around, and they're just one of the guys down there. And it was like a country club-like atmosphere. So I really enjoyed that. That was one another part that I really enjoyed about the whole entire trip. Then after that, you get to the practices, which is something that I was really looking forward to as well because you can watch so much film on these guys, but it's just different actually being able to see them interact with their teammates and actually seeing how good their ability is outside of you just being on the All-22 or however, however else you decide to watch the film. But you get to see how some of these guys are leaders or if they're more of a lead-by-example type of players and how good they actually are. So those are just some of the things and just a quick snapshot of what I enjoyed being down in Mobile. Well, and that's the thing. And one of the cool things about it there is, and everybody always speaks about this, is, is nobody cares who you are. Small, large, big, indifferent. They don't care. Everybody's there for the same reason. So nobody kind of judges anybody. There's no measuring stick there. A lot of that happens on social media. Obviously, it happens on Twitter. But it doesn't go on down there. Everybody's there for the same reason. And you know, whether you are a younger writer who doesn't have a big following, everybody appreciates the fact that you put yourself out there to try to you know, create greater coverage, create greater content. And that is definitely the cool thing, and you know, which kind of brings the fraternity type of thing to it all, in that respect. Um, and as far as the practices, and this is the thing now, because look, I mean, you can watch these guys play all the time, but now it's there's money on the line. This is this is job interview type of stuff. And you know, as you said, you see the guys who are leaders and the guys who, it's not that they just chirp, 
because they like to talk a little trash while they're playing. It's the hey, yo, you got to be there. You know, don't leave that flat open because now I got to cover two spaces because you weren't in the spot you needed to be. And you, and you develop the leaders and you see the guys who can pick up the game quickly, pick up a scheme quickly, whether it's offense or defense. And, and that's the stuff that comes in, in a short amount of time. And you see the guys who are, you know, are the leaders or who are the guys who are just players. And it's fine. You need a little mix of both. It doesn't matter. It's okay that guys are just a player. But you need a good mix and balance of you know, guys who are essentially coaches, quarterbacks, whatever phrase you want to use, on the field, along with just great, great individual football talents. Um, we're going to get into some you know, positional needs here. I decided to go defense here. Um, I, the Browns, you know, they need defense. This is what they need. Um, you know, once Freddie Kitchens took over, you know, the, the the lamp was lit offensively. They were scoring three, two, four touchdowns a game. This is something that hasn't gone on in here in years. But now it's a question of bolstering this defense. Obviously, you know, Greg, they moved on from Greg Williams. Nobody's going to stick around when they didn't get the head coaching job. Steve Wilkes is brought in. There's needs on the interior. There's needs on the exterior pass rushers. Um, you need some athletic linebackers. You need probably at least one, if not two more cornerbacks, depending on EJ Gaines. But let's start with this up front. And this just doesn't have to be mobile. Um, the cream of the crop of this Browns draft, Jordan, is that they have four <laughs> picks in the top 94. So this, this is going to have to be heavily addressed defensive-wise. We'll start here at the defensive tackle position. And this is... For me, and I was kind of teasing Jordan before, and look, I, every mock draft, it seems to come out now, and it almost seems every one of them, it's Byron Murphy. And look, I love UW defensive backs. Sidney Jones, you know, uh, you know uh, Kenny King, uh, you know, my buddy, Kev, my buddy Kevin King. These are guys I've talked to. Um, I love them, but I just don't think it's the biggest need here. Um, besides, Larry Ogunjobi, who's a fantastic player, there ain't nothing there. So give me some thoughts here on this defensive tackle class to this point, Jordan. Yeah, and the great thing for the Browns is that every need that they have is actually deep at the position that they do need. And, you know, just talking about defensive tackle, obviously Quentin Williams is the cream of the crop, and the Browns aren't going to be in range for them for him actually having the 17th pick. But you go down the list, you talk about a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, who could suffer a slip because he did have a video that did come out when he was in high school. Um, that is a bit disturbing, but we'll see how that does happen or how that unfolds as we get closer to the combine because a lot of people don't really know about that video right now. But there will be some light shed on that as we do get closer to the combine. So, And we know John Dorsey. He's a guy that is not scared to take risks on guys that have a cloudy past. And Jeffrey Simmons definitely could be that guy that's in play at 17 and another guy that seems to be slipping right now just because we don't know what his actual measurements are, and that's Ed Oliver. And he's been a top 10 consensus pick uh, to this point. But it seems like his stock is slipping a bit just because teams are starting to question his actual size. And I know he's listed at about 6'1", 290 pounds. But I don't think he's 290 pounds. He'll probably weigh in somewhere between 270 and 275. And, you know, every team has their certain thresholds that they like to have for that three-technique spot. And he's not going to meet that for some teams. So I think he will be a fantastic fit beside Larry Ogunjobi because – both of those guys, they can play the one or the three technique. And I know Ed Oliver is a bit smaller, but he's so explosive that his athleticism really makes up for some of that lack of size that he does have. So I think if they're able to land him at 17, I think that would be a really, really fantastic pick and a steal for them at that point. And then you're probably getting into that second tier of guys like a Christian Wilkins, who I think is probably going to end up being a first round pick and definitely could be in play in 17, but he's not in that tier one guys like William Simmons and Oliver. And then you go farther down the list, you talk about Dremont Jones, Gerald Willis, 
Rennell Wren, who had a really fantastic showing at the that's Senior been, Bowl. That's, that's a guy I kind of got a little lightened to, Mr. Yeah, Wren at Arizona State. Because he's big, he's, but he's he, qu- that first step, and qu- he's quick. Absolutely, and he was unblockable. Those first two days at the Senior Bowl, he was absolutely unblockable. His first step is so good, and his power with his hands, his hands are so heavy. He was just tossing guys around down there, and he's a guy that I actually put a star beside just coming back from the Senior Bowl just to dive into his tape a bit more because I didn't know a whole bunch about him, and I had watched a couple games on him, but he wasn't a huge guy that I had circled going down there. But coming back, like I said, he's a guy that had a star beside his name and then just going down the list another guy who could end up being somewhere in day two maybe early day three is Kalen Saunders who had a fantastic senior bowl as well out of western Illinois so the Browns they're definitely going to have a plethora of options to fill that three technique or spot on the interior yeah and and that was the thing I mean because so many names emerged here and there is a deep you know I mean we didn't bring up a guy like Tillery out of Notre Dame and there's some other names here and, you know, some of these guys, you know, like, when I keep emphasizing, I think D-tackle has to be the pick at 17. And these guys are kind of like, oh, well, I'm not sure if they're Tier 1. But these Tier 2 guys, it doesn't mean they're not top 20. I've polled 10 guys, 8 guys right now of their top 20 overall. They have, like, 6 to 7 defensive tackles. That doesn't mean these guys are really Tier 2. If they're top 20, you take them top 20. I mean, eliminate that big need right off the bat. Kalen Sanders was by far the best story of the week. And look, Jordan, you got twins on the way. I got two kids. And what he showed this week was, you know, other than just being the flip guy, was he can play. Big man can move a little bit. And, I mean, in what we always talk about with the draft process, whether it's a senior ball, whether it's the combine, is go find a way to bump yourself up around. Bump yourself up a round or two. And now with him, with a fiancé and a baby on the way, he made himself probably an extra $2 million this week. And look, I mean, wherever he is come draft night, whether it's day two, you know it's going to be him sitting on a couch with a phone to his ear with that little baby girl in his lap. And it's, it, you know, because you need to sell the product. And it's going to work that way for Kalen Saunders. He's going to be a guy almost everybody right now is kind of rooting for here. Guys, we're going through here some things here. Obviously, Mobile, you know, the, the draft here with Jordan Reed, some fantastic work over cover one. He's developed over the years, and Jordan has become a fantastic draft guy, and his content is fantastic. But the uh, whether it's locked on uh, NFL, whether you need through Instagram, through the Twitter accounts, locked on NFL Net, guys, both of those accounts have you covered. Obviously, Super Bowl is coming up, Rams, Patriots covers every show. Every guy who hosts the show, all that work is funneled to those accounts. So the Locked On NFL Net accounts through Instagram, Twitter. Guys, go ahead and make sure you're following those accounts. Now, one thing we saw here this year with the Browns is, look, Miles Garrett, look, he's there's no doubts. And he has not done anything to you know question whether or not he deserved to be the overall, overall number one pick in the NFL draft. But look, right now, he's not on that second contract. Jannard Avery did a nice job in a you know substitutional pass rusher role. He maybe end up be the Sam linebacker here to replace a Jamie Collins. But as great as Miles Garrett is, you need help. The Houston Texans had J.J. Watt. They went ahead and drafted Javon Clowney. You need more pass rush here. And especially if your focus is to be a really good team. Now you expect to be up in games. You're going to be playing nickel and dime majority of the second half, third, fourth quarters. And this is, I mean, D-line, whether it's interior or exterior, 
there is a bunch of guys here who can get it done. And there's a bunch of guys in this defensive end class, Jordan, who can get it done and get after the quarterback. Yeah, and it's another position, like I said, where the Browns are lacking that is really deep in this draft. And this defensive line class is just exceptional. And they're probably not going to take a defensive end early. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, because interior is just more of a pressing need, but they're going to draft the best player available, and there's some fantastic players on the board that could be there at 17, or if they do want to dress it in the second or even the third round, even on day two. So, And let's just talk about those second-tier guys like Joseph Jackson from Miami, who I think isn't getting a lot of buzz right now, but could be there for them on day two. Uh, I don't think maybe they might be interested in Zach Allen. He's more of a tweener. That could put slide down inside or even play some defensive end as well. But more of a rotational guy though, but that's yeah. okay. You need those guys too. Yeah, and that's what I think his ceiling probably is. More of a rotational guy. And he might end up being a spot starter at times, but his game is really well uh, mature right now, and that's what you're getting with Zach Allen. And he didn't have the best senior bowl, and there's a lot of people that probably think he's a bit maxed out right now, but one thing you do know about him is that he's going to come in, his body is going to be physically mature, and his game is going to be well-rounded enough to be able to play and step on the field from day one as soon as he hears his name on draft night. And then just going deeper into those second-tier guys, you talk about O'Shana Zimenez uh, from ODU, uh, Old Dominion, who I think is a really good player, uh, Charles O'Minihue from Texas. He could be there in the second round for the Browns as well. And even a guy like Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech who could interest the Browns as well. So there's some really talented edge rushers if they don't want to dress it at 17. Rather, if they want to do it on day two or even in day three. Okay, well, let me give you this one here. Now, look, I mean, you know, Jordan, I know you're a Florida State guy. And us Florida State guys always got to stay together. But even now, Polite and Burns, I mean, obviously there's a little bit, you know, some questions, a little bit of holes in both of their their games. Uh, there's been mock drafts by some of the bigger names, and that's okay. Look, I, I'm never going to question what uh, Daniel Jeremiah did because, look, ain't, ain't none of us in a position to do that. But, you know, omitted from first-round mock drafts, Burns, Polite. Here are guys, you know, I mean, you know, Burns is a little light. Polite is kind of a guy who just kind of came Johnny-come-lately, you know, with his junior season now and is into this draft. Give me a little, you know, talk on both of those guys, you know, the Florida guys, because, look, we both know these schools. Yeah, well, with Burns, you know, we're both <laughs> fans, so we're going to be huge fans of Brian Burns, and there's going to be weight weight questions with him, and he's listed at 235. I think he's going to end up weighing much more than that at the combine. Hopefully we see him in the 240 to 245 range. I think that would be really good for him, but the biggest thing that you worry about with Brian Burns is just his run defense, and you see him a lot of times try to set the point or set the edge, and you just see him get washed out at the point of attack, so that's something that he's going to be uh, criticized about as we get closer to the combine, and even Whoever he does end up being picked by, that's just something that he does have to improve on just so he can be not just a pass rush specialist and be an every down player. But on the flip side of that, you talk about his weight concerns, but he's never missed a game at Florida State. So he doesn't have any durability, durability concerns or anything of that sorts. But I think of any player at the combine whose measurables are going to be super important, I think it's definitely Brian Burns and his weight is definitely going to be put under the microscope uh, in in Indianapolis. Um, and then on Ja'Kai Polite, another player that I absolutely love, but there's going to be some early down concerns with him because he played mainly second and third down at Florida, and he's known as a pass rush specialist, and he's another guy that needs to be more consistent against the run. And then there's reportedly some off-the-field stuff with him that really hasn't come to light yet, just to give you a little inside information, but we'll see how that goes as we get closer to the combine. But I think both of those guys will end up being first-round picks. 
Look, I mean, you know, there's there's certain positions of need here. And look, I mean, the good teams, what do they value? What are they missing that gets them to that final step? And pass rushers is usually one that comes into play and teams are always looking for as you close that out. Um, now, the one thing the Browns sort of emphasized here at the trade deadline, it was something they were looking to. You know, the trades never matriculated. Look, they love what they have in Joe Schobert being the Mike and being the captain of that defense and being the guy who sets everything up, makes all the reads, gets everybody set. But they wanted athleticism. And it, whether it was a Christian McCaffrey, who they had no answer for, whether it was a James Conner, twice, who they had no answer for, they're probably looking for some more athleticism and some more chase linebackers. Give me some names here that can maybe fit that bill, in your opinion, Jordan. Yeah, well, the obvious one at the top is Devin White. He's just a fantastic player. He was the heart and soul of that Tigers defense down at LSU, and he's going to be the first linebacker off the board, and I think he's probably going to end up going in the top 15. So the Browns might not ever have a chance to end up selecting him if they do end up trading up. But Mac Wilson and uh, Devin Bush, I think both of those guys are probably two more realistic targets, and I think Devin Bush will be a fantastic fit. I am I think so with you on that. And, of course, you know, his dad was an old, so that helps us. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I think his game his game is a little bit more advanced than what Mac Wilson is right now and because he has instincts, and that's something that Mac Wilson is really lacking right now, something that you really can't teach. And he's a three-down linebacker and more of that thumper type of mold and the only thing that you worry about Devin Bush is that he is a bit undersized, and he reminds me a bit of Eric Kendricks coming out, a guy that just flies all over the field, sideline to sideline. But when he has to play in the box, and defenders are able to, or excuse me, blockers are able to climb up to the second level and get their bodies on him immediately, he does struggle a little bit just shedding those guys off, just because of he's a bit smaller. He's only about 5'11", 230, 240 pounds, so he does struggle stacking and shedding at time to times, but. I really like Devin Bush for them, even if it is at 17. I don't think that would be a reach at all. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing about Devin, and you know, I talked with his father, and I, you know, I've talked with his father for years now. And, and the funniest thing was when his when he declared. I remember talking to his dad through the recruiting period, and I'm like, "Please tell me your son's not going to go to Florida State. Please tell me your son's going to Florida State." And he's like, "I'm not sure where this is at. I, you know, all that, you know, and the whole thing he went through. And look, he made the best decision for him. You know, Florida State was wavering away from guys his size or whatever and look you know you know Jordan I know Jimbo Fisher was a, you know definitely asleep at the wheel for you know the last few years <laughs> he was at Florida State there's no doubt about it so you don't let one of your own go away the way he did but and the other thing I like about Devin Bush is brings a little tood you always want you want a couple of guys on your defense you don't want 11 hotheads but you want two or three that are going to bark back when the other side of the ball is going to start chirping their mouths. And Devin Bush is one of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw it even in the Michigan State game where he's just on the field pregame and just tearing up the logo. And, I mean, that wasn't good by him. But it just shows that the type of competitor that he is, he just wants to win at whatever cost it may make or whatever cost it may take. And that's just a credit to him and just the bloodlines that he does have. So I'm a huge fan of Devin Bush. And I think just inserting him in the middle of that Steve Wilkes defense, I think that would be outstanding. And you think about it, and the one thing, and this is where it's a great fit where Devin Bush with a Steve Wilkes defense is, you think about Shaq Thompson out of Washington a couple of years ago, went to Carolina. Steve Wilkes was running that tee. Yeah. You got to <laughs> connect the dots there a little bit, which you know does make some sense in that respect here. Um, guys, the Locked On Rams podcast, the Locked On Patriots podcast, Mark Schofield, obviously, you know, Locked On Patriots host, uh, you know, obviously huge in this football community. 
But guys, as we get to Sunday, if you're looking for more coverage towards the game here and, and you want to get some insight, Locked On Rams, Locked On Patriots, both guys are doing kick-ass job busting their bus here. And this is every guy who covers a team's dream is to get to spend two weeks talking about your team leading up to the Super Bowl. Locked On Rams, Locked On Pats, both these guys doing a fantastic job. Go ahead, subscribe, follow, listen. Now, Jordan, now here with the cornerback class, I don't know if the Browns necessarily need a starter right away. And this is weird where we're talking about the the Browns and drafting players that, you know, it's and I keep telling guys, you know, we're going to I'm going to hear this stuff in August. Well, our second round pick was playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. This is this is what you want. You're a good team now. You're deep. You have depth at multi positions. But the cornerback class, I think we need a developmental starter. Maybe he's ready to start from day one, but, you know, obviously Terrence Mitchell had a fantastic year. Denzel Ward ain't going nowhere. You know, uh, TJ Carey's got that. You want that cornerback in your secondary who's the feisty, grabby, yank you down. Yeah, there's going to be a couple penalties, but you live with it. But there's going to be a, a need for a future running mate for Denzel Ward here. And this class, I don't think it's top-heavy. I think it's Murphy up front. It seems Greedy Williams right now is kind of getting like a rough spot. I think people are accentuating his negatives and eliminating his positives with Greedy Williams. But the cornerback class here, you know, go ahead a little in-depth here with them. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Greedy does seem to be hitting a rough patch. There seems to be some guys that are actually nitpicking his game a little bit. And I think I think he's kind of getting knocked unfairly. Because there is, he hasn't played in a long time. You know, he set out the bowl game, so we haven't had him. We haven't seen him play in a very long time. But a lot of people have had have had a chance to sit back and digest his tape, and they're nitpicking what he doesn't do instead of highlighting what he actually does do. And I think he's a fantastic prospect, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go top ten. And I actually have him as my top guy right now, just because I think he has a little bit more upside than what Murphy does because he's a little bit longer as well. Even though Murphy has some more versatility. Um, but just keeping it Brown-centric, two guys that I absolutely love for the Browns on day two, and that's Julian Love from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a fantastic player, and a guy I actually fell in love with down in Mobile. His name is Rock Yassin from mm-hmm. Temple. I think he would be a fantastic addition to the Browns secondary as well. And just uh, highlighting Yassin a little bit more, him and Debo Samuel, they created a little rivalry down there in Mobile, and you just saw both of those guys just competing and practice. And Yassin, he has that alpha mentality that you love to see from a cornerback because half the battle for a rookie cornerback is just believing that they belong on the field with those other guys. So you see guys like Denzel Ward. He felt like he belonged from day one as a rookie. And then you see that with Rocky Asin down there in Mobile. They just feel like they belong on that field, and they just have that confidence and that swagger as soon as they step foot on the field that they know that they belong on this field, and they feel like they're the best player on that field as well. And that's what you saw out of Rocky Asin in Mobile. All right, now we're going to go a little more NFL-centric here, but I'm going to give you a name here, uh, Jordan. For me, uh, Justin Lane, Michigan State. That's a cornerback. Check out long, nasty in run defense. Definitely, uh, you know, a lot of PBUs. Fun player, fun player. Definitely in this draft, there's an underclassman. Went to Michigan State as a corner. As a true freshman, he started five games at the cornerback. I'm sorry, he went there as a wide receiver. Started five games at corner. They made the flip quick with him. Justin Lane's fun. I think he's a guy you're going to like. But I'm going to kick it to you now. Your Vikings. Um, look, you went from NFC Championship to not in the playoffs this year. What? 
I'm not trying to pick on you. Trust me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not picking you. <laughs> it definitely was disappointing, especially when you went all in on Mr. Cousins. But, you know, first, second round. What are the biggest needs? Give me some names that you think will get your Minnesota Vikings back to where they thought they should have been this year. Well, it has to start with the offensive line. I mean, you invest $84 million guaranteed in Kirk Cousins, and then I felt like they didn't really address the offensive line as much as they should have. And they waited to the second round to draft Brian O'Neill, uh, the right tackle out of Pitt, who ended up being a good player and a starter for them this year. But they need to find two guards. And Mike Remmers just wasn't what they had hoped when they did move him inside. And then Tom Compton, he just was a disaster this year. And they just need to find a way to upgrade both of those spots. And then Pat Elfline, he just didn't. His development didn't take the next step like they had hoped this year at center. But I think he didn't come into the year healthy. He was coming off labrum surgery. so And he missed really all of training camp. So he was behind the eight ball the entire year just trying to adjust. And it showed guys like Akeem Hicks, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, they were just destroying him and running right through him just because he didn't have that offseason program where he could build up his strength. And we know he's a smaller guy as well. So hopefully with a full year in the weight program and being able to get that strength back in his, in his shoulder after that surgery, will really help him. But just stand on the subject of the draft, I think they need to find a way to find a flexible guard tackle option. And my top guy for them right now is Cody Ford, the tackle out of Oklahoma. I think he would be a fantastic pick for them at 18, right behind the Browns. Uh, Jawan Taylor from Florida, who's a guy that's really on the upswing right now. His stock is really taking a boost right now. And even a guy like Yadni Kajust out of West Virginia, I think he could be another fantastic option as well. So, they just, I mean, we got a long way to go at the offensive line. And there's some guard options that they could take as well. Uh, Michael Dieter from Wisconsin, Dalton Reisner, who is a guy that's, his star is really starting to shine bright right now after a really fantastic week down at Mobile. And even the Oklahoma guards, Drew Samia, who could be a fantastic option as well, and Ben Powers, who had a really good time, a really good, Samia had a really good week down at Mobile as well. So I think they need to find a way to address the offensive line. And then we'll see what happens. With Sheldon Richardson, if they do end up letting him go in free agency, they're going to have to find the three techniques. So, and, you know, we went over the defensive tackles earlier in the show, and Christian Wilkins could be a guy that I think that's that they're really going to love just because he fits their athletic profile. And also, he's a guy that seems to be a leader in the locker room as well. And Dremont Jones from Ohio State, who we didn't really get to talk about much early on, I think he's another guy that they will be looking at as well. And then the last need I think they have is obviously a linebacker. So we'll see what happens with Anthony Barr and free agency. I think he's probably going to end up testing the free agency waters just because they gave Eric Kendricks that contract extension. And I just don't see them paying two off-ball linebackers top money. So they have a lot of needs, but luckily this draft is very strong and the spots that they do have diring needs at. Well, it's funny that you brought up the Sheldon Richardson name because uh, he hits the open market. Uh, yeah, we're going to have, you know, I, I hope – you know, John Dorsey's definitely looking into Sheldon Richardson. Um, he's a guy that the play, you know, everybody always, you know, will, you will bring up the off field, but, you know, Sheldon Richardson on Sundays, guy can play. Good player. Absolutely. Good player. And look, Jordan, uh, there's a Super Bowl Sunday, and I can't let you go without getting some thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a guy, even though no matter how many times he loses in the Super Bowl, I'm never betting against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And it's going to be an interesting game. Because it's kind of like the old guys on the block versus this new kind of the hot girl in school. And that's what the Rams are mm-hmm. right now. Jared Goff is really hit a hot streak right now. McVay has really gotten over the hump because, I mean, let's just be honest. Everybody is hiring 
whoever knows Sean McVay. So he's the new hot trend around the NFL. But he finally got got over that hump, winning his first playoff game. So that was really good to see him do and adding that to his resume. But now I'm just I'm just fascinated to see this chess match between him and Bill Belichick. We're going to see what ends up happening, but I think the Patriots are going to come out on top. I do think the Patriots are going to win, and but it would be interesting though because you know this will see you know how bright the McVay star shines. You know, can he go in there? Can he pull this off? And you know, it probably helps McVay that it's obviously two weeks between you know the uh, the championship games and the Super Bowl. But look, I mean, this is you know it's the it's almost like the young Jedi going against the master here in this. So. And you know, the Rams have enough defense. There's no doubt about that. And obviously, you're gonna you know you trust you know uh, you're gonna trust you know Wade Phillips in that respect. But it's gonna be it's gonna be fun in that respect. It really is. And this this game and you know the whole uh, you know the Patriots and you know they're playing the underdog role. And eh, just stop, guys. Come on now. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the, the, we don't. Nobody thinks you're underdogs. It's just like we've seen it so many times. We just you know we're hoping for something different. It's not like you know we're disrespecting anything that's been done there. You know, nobody's disrespecting Brady. Nobody's disrespecting Belichick. It does not work that way. It's just that maybe we're looking for something different. We've played this hand so many times. But it's going to make for a great game, uh, guys. Jordan Reed has been here, you know, kind enough to give us some time here to, uh, tonight. Um, does fantastic work over Cover One. Also, you know, part of the conglomerate, the co-host over at the Climb the Pocket podcast, um, had his first stint down in Mobile. Jordan is just grown and grown within the draft community. Does a fantastic job. I, Jordan, uh, I do. If there's anything you need to push, I'm going to give you an opportunity to it. But before we put this to bed, I do want to wish you the best, man. Because look, I got two kids. You got two kids coming in one shot coming up soon, man. I wish you all the best with that, bro, because, and thank God, it's going to be June, so you can continue to give us great <laughs> content here before we hit late April. Yeah, man, it's it's perfect timing because the girls actually have a twin girls here in June. Oh, so my God. Oh, yeah. I have Irish twin girls. Oh, man, we're uh, going to talk. That's awesome. We're going to do podcasts just talking about girls, dude. That's what's going to work. You need anything, diapers, bottles, man. I'm good with that stuff. You know that. Thanks, man. I'll definitely be coming to you for advice. But um, just to give you a little insight, I got a little announcement actually coming on Wednesday. So just be on the lookout for that. I got a special thing happening and something, advancement in my career that I'm really excited to announce. So be on the lookout for that. Also, you can find my work over at CoverOne.net. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. And look, whoever hired Jordan before this announcement comes out, did a, did a smart smart job, guys. Trust me. Um, and I hope it's not Florida State related because right now we're trying to talk about the program we love. And it's uh, I don't want to say it's in shambles, but it's yeah. a little bit of disarray right now where it's yeah. kind of like you, you went out and you let some friends stay in your house and you came home and crap was everywhere and they just kind of torched your place and you kind of got to figure out how to clean it all up. Let's just hope for the best next year, man. That's all we can do. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, but I have faith in Willie. I do. And yeah. I think Willie was just dealt a crap hand this year. But we're gonna yeah, I do too. Yeah, well, this isn't a Sentinels podcast. So we'll, make, we'll leave it at that. We'll get together another one of those guys. Um, the Locked On Browns podcast, guys. I always keep the Twitter account a follow-back account. It's the best way for you guys to get anything to me you want. Information, question, topics you want discussed on the show. So go ahead and make sure you follow that. The uh, Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow over there. iTunes rating reviews. Uh, guys, they help. They are fantastic they help promote the show to people who are not familiar with the show so keep giving them to me i appreciate it from that respect guys um you know i give to you you give to me let's keep it working that way um 
Yeah, the uh, daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, guys. This is the way we do it here. I try to bring you the best content we can. And now, as we say goodbye, guys, as always, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.